Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. We're on the Compliance Podcast Network and available on all podcast players. Feel free to send the elevator back down and recommend us to a friend or give us a rating and review on your podcast player. I'm Mary, and today I'm pleased to bring Brian Rushing to the podcast. Uh, In addition to that, Lisa and I are also really pleased to recognize Pride Month. Uh, It goes along with both of our personal ethos, if that is a word, um, that uh, we recognize the beauty of every color of the rainbow um, in each person, whether it be literal rainbow or metaphorical colors. Um, that's really important to Lisa and myself. And so we thank you for joining us today for this special Pride episode. And you'll note that we have special um, uh, Pride uh, uh, cover art as well, uh, because it is such a momentous occasion for us and we wanted to celebrate properly. So um, I'd love to welcome Ryan to the show now. Ryan, will you please tell us about yourself? Hi. I'm Brian Rushing. Um, I'm a designer. I'm a sign painter, a lettering artist. Uh, I mean, I do so many art forms. I should probably pick one at this point. But um, <laughs> but I I am a brand manager at Broadcat. Um, we make compliance um, communications. And um, what else? I'm super cute. Um, <laughs> Uh, let's see well for pride uh, I'll tell you this I came out as trans last summer Mm -hmm. um, had a lot of time to think while while we were all in lockdown Mm -hmm. and um, came out as a trans woman and um, I've gotten tons of support from everybody which has been really great and Mm -hmm. I'm really happy to be here for your pride episode super thank you so much Ryan and I'd love to hear more about your coming out experience shortly, but we're going to talk uh, substantively on the subject of compliance for a minute. And uh, your contribution to the compliance community is not a traditional one. And I might add that we love getting ancillary services on the show, but never to peddle you guys things. It's not a paid infomercial after all. So let's spend some time talking about your wheelhouse, which is graphic design, though I note that you also Mm -hmm. happen to be pretty decent at coding as well, which I would say makes you a pretty darn attractive package to the modern (laughs) compliance team. So well done, Broadcat. Um, Will you share with us your tips for making compliance communications look professionally done and impactful, even if we don't have your background and skill set? Yeah, sure. I think, so the important thing really is to uh, have a single message that you want to kind of put out there, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that uh, it, and and not just in the compliance industry, but in anyone who is, you know, not I guess like trained as a designer, you know, it's it's really common to to want to put a lot of information in a really small area, and 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 hope and hope that that is communicated and it, and it's not. But I mean, and you know, anytime that you're uh, trying to tell people, and particularly in compliance, right? You're trying to tell people information or you're trying to get their behavior to change. And it's okay to, to keep it focused, even if it's like a poster with like one thing on it, you know, um, you think of, so I, so I'm a graphic designer, web designer, coder. Um, and so if you're on a website and you're typing in like username and password, then the error message is like on the on the input field. You know, if you, if you type a password and it's like doesn't have a number or something in it, then it's like, oh, your password doesn't have a number in it. But you don't, you're not going to put all the requirements for the whole password field like at the beginning of the website and then expect everyone to remember it by the time they get to the login. <laughs> so. Right. You know, it's important to kind of like just focus. So to take a cue from like UX, what you'd want to do is put, you know, 
the stuff UX, user experience, sorry. I mm-hmm. should explain no worries. That. Thank you. Uh, web design experience. Mm-hmm. So um, when you think about that, it's like, oh, okay, this, this is an error message that is just telling me one thing, you know, I need a number or whatever. Uh, and then, and then that's it. So you just focus on one thing at a time and keep it as, you know, targeted as you can. Um, and I think that, I think that's the main takeaway there is because it's, it's really, really easy to just, you know, you've heard the term, uh, above the fold, like for websites, you know, keep everything above the fold. And so it's pretty common whenever you're building a new website for someone they they want everything above the page so that people don't have to scroll. Mm-hmm. But um, people do scroll on websites, and so they so they it's just human uh, psychology, I guess, to want to take in not every single bit of information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you want to take in information, drip drip feed it to yourself, you know, as mm-hmm. much as you can. And so that's why that's why that is why people scroll down. And so. You know, you can think about that with communications. It's like, don't shove everything in front of someone's face mm-hmm. all the time. It's more like focus little bits at a time. Mm-hmm. Perfect. I think I'm, I'm clear there. And when we think about keeping everything above the fold as well, if I understand you correctly, that would mean prioritizing your most critical message up front and in everyone's face so that even if they don't look at the rest of it, you've got a yeah. core message across. Yeah, exactly. And so it's... You know, if you were, if you were, um, I don't know, if you were, let's see, let me think of a good example. Um, I, don't know, I can't think of one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll go on. And if, if someone right. comes to you midway, you just let me know. Um, so <laughs> there's a rule in dressing up, which is to doll yourself up, fully accessorize, and then look at yourself in the mirror and remove one piece of jewelry. Is there anything like that that you would recommend we keep in mind when beautifying our communications? Yeah. So I think, um, let me think. Hmm. So I guess in other words, would you agree that less is more? Um, I don't know if I would say that. I think it's hard to say less is more or more is less or more is more, less is less. Um, I think that, the appropriate information at the appropriate time mm-hmm. is, is going to be the best way you can do that. So, mm-hmm. uh, or best way to think about it. So, you know, sometimes, you know, they say don't bury the lead, right. In journalism, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're not, you know, if you write the headline and then five paragraphs down, you really say what the takeaway is. Um, <laughs> so I, so I think, um, so beautifying that I want to, I want to like have a distinction between, uh, decoration, uh, and then design, and then also, um, like the content and then like, Mm -hmm. and then even like the function of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and so uh, we think, uh, like it's, it's a common, uh, understanding to kind of put, uh, design and decoration kind of in the same like bucket. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the truth is, is that, design is kind of all of it and how it all works together and how, Mm -hmm. you know, it's delivered or it's, Mm. or it's kind of like, you know, thinking about the context or thinking about someone's emotional state or Mm -hmm. psychological state as they're Mm -hmm. there, um, in that area. And so, um, if you're, if you are in a really high stress, you know, I don't know, warehouse job, right. Mm -hmm. You might, you might have very, um, half, clear signage that are is like you know five words that say things to watch out for you know Mm -hmm. instead of you know great job or you know something you know you might the important thing there is to like be safe right Mm -hmm. these are the things you need to be aware of warning signs Mm -hmm. um but if you are you know maybe in a um you know more slow office environment where there's no windows (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, or something like that, you might want to have more inspirational messages, you know, to try to mm. keep, you know, the morale up. So um, it's, it's, you know, thinking about, it's not just thinking about necessarily like communications in a vacuum, because the human, you know, human experience is going to encompass so so many things um, that you have, that we have to consider and 
and a lot of times just have to kind of guess at um, in terms of how, you know, what am I doing to, um, do I want to calm this person down, you know, uh. the viewer, or do I want to like kind of elevate their attention, you know, and kind of uh, keep them, keep, get their eyes open? Um, do I want to uh, encourage them or do I want to discourage them from something? Um, and so, uh, and then thinking about like, you know, where, what was the thing, where, what are they doing at that time? Or what are they, where did they just come from? Um, and so it's not even necessarily just like, does this look okay? Uh-huh. Because I can, I can create just a, you know, a white poster in Comic Sans that says, watch your step, uh-huh. you know, and if they're, if people are just going to walk by it, and um just kind of walk by it and glance and then watch their step then that's like effective but in terms of graphic design that wouldn't pass the test you know uh-huh. uh, so you know you can put add icons you can add colors and you know a rainbow flag on there but you know all that's probably going to be distracting to the main message so um there's a, you know there's a lot of things to consider and juggle in the area uh-huh yeah. Do you think that sometimes in compliance we get caught up in making things pretty, i.e. aesthetically pleasing, and don't think so much about how design can actually be impactful and enhance the message? Yeah, I think that um, I think that that's a that's a, a common thing to do um, because it's it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> and it's and it's very and like you know you know like art is. Uh, so art is different than design. There is mm-hmm. a broad overlap in those two things, mm-hmm. but but in the Venn diagram, it's not a complete circle. Right. And so um, the 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 overlap is where preferences are. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like oh shit. You know, and that's kind of where like a you know um, that's where the fun stuff is. You know, mm-hmm. that's where it's like well okay our you know I like blue instead of purple or you know whatever Uh but Uh that doesn't fundamentally change the meaning of this thing Uh um but if but if there is um an opportunity to to think a little more deeper like if your brand colors were was purple Uh and and not blue then yeah Uh you'd go with purple even though you like blue more Uh um and so and that's where like the, the designer would like uh, that's where design is powerful. It's just, it's think about kind of like the whole picture and just kind of go, okay, that's, but then the discernment is really the difficult part is to say, you know, am I talking about a preference right now? Or uh, am I talking uh-huh. about something that is going to affect the, going to affect the, the, the perception of this communications tool. So, you know, it comes down to, it comes down to uh, a, a good designer is going to have be able to discern uh, those two things. It takes practice, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to be able to, you know, know what those things are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, they'll come from, they'll come from places you don't expect. You know, for me, um, you know, I worked with, uh, a, we have a lot of designers at Broadcat, but we also have a lot of people who aren't trained in design. Mm-hmm. And so, and, the fact that they're able to say, all right, but what if we just like did it this way instead, you know, mm-hmm. a, a much more simple, and oh my goodness, you're right. Okay. <laughs> yes, that would also work. Yeah. It doesn't mm-hmm. break any, you know, break the context or whatever, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, in addition to saying that there is a discernment and it's, there's, it, it does take kind of a special kind of like thought Uh, it does take a special kind of design thinking to kind of get to that point um there's also a um there's also a necessary part of it which is just listening to the people around you (laughs) you know in the industry so most designers aren't compliance related designers and so uh and so you marketing teams and things like that like you know we're well I'll speak for myself we we 
I, I made the mistake of thinking like design, I was a designer and everyone had to listen to me all the time. And for a lot, for, you know, I was a junior designer and I was like, oh no, I'm a graphic designer. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I would like talk to the customer service people and they're just like, why don't you just put a big button on the page? And I go, oh, that would work. Okay. I'm like, yeah. it doesn't look very good. And I'm like, just put a button. People will click on a button. <laughs> and they're right. <laughs> yeah, you can't not click on a button if it's in front of you, right? <laughs> I know. I know. It's like having a big button on the wall. Uh, like when you're walking along, you're going to flip a light switch, hit a button. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if I can, um, if, um, if we were to do it in a nutshell of that, um, uh, last bit of conversation there. So it could be useful for us as compliance officers when we're trying to design something and pretty up a presentation. Let's ask ourselves the question: um, Have I have I made the certain design because I'm partial to butterflies and hearts, or is it actually serving a greater purpose in terms of getting the message across? Um, and then also, who can I do a quick sanity check on to mm-hmm. see that? to take a look at my, my masterpiece and um, confirm yeah. that it really is impactful uh, or do I need to change anything and remove some butterflies? Yeah. And I think like, what's the takeaway, you know, mm-hmm. like if you had like the, what we did had in design school was always, if you were designing a billboard, mm-hmm. you have three seconds to know everything about that billboard mm-hmm. as you drive it away. And that might be generous in some cases, mm-hmm. but, and same thing with these kind of these kinds of communications is like, can you show somebody in three seconds what you just did and then hold it down, then ask mm-hmm. them what they got from it? You know, if that means it's just black text on white paper, then. Oh, nice test. Maybe, maybe that'll do it, you know? Yeah. And then you're done and then you have to do anything more. Awesome. I like that. Thank you. Well, Ryan, one of um, Broadcat's strong points is creating awesome infographics. And um, if mm. there's anyone listening who works with me, uh, you will know that my answer to literally every challenge we come across is, oh, we should totally turn that into an infographic. Uh, <laughs> so my team's probably sick to death of this, um, but uh, I'm still going strong on the infographic craze. And so I would love to get your expert advice. What are the fundamental elements for success in creating an infographic? Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, if we think like focus messaging, Um, and so I think we have to define what an infographic is. And so, um, in, so in a lot of, uh, generally infographics have like data on them. Right. You know? And so, um, I think the big thing there is to like keep a focused message. Um, and then also, uh, think about the takeaway, think about the, the, atmosphere that you're delivering the message. Usually infographics are like emailed or uh, printed and put it on the wall. And so, you know, if I'll say this, big numbers don't make an infographic. <laughs> so if, if you're making an infographic, you know, just making all your numbers larger isn't necessarily going to do it. But, mm-hmm. um, but the, um, but if you uh, kind of, um really think about the information that you're trying to design uh, and then why that's important for someone to know. Um, you might end up cutting the content from the infographic, you know, in half or, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, you know, more than that even. And so just to say like, you know, we've only had 20% of people finish the video, you know, like, so what, so then what's the action on that that you want people to take? you know, after that, that's really where you're, uh, that's the important part. So that's the why, why you would even want to make it an infographic, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, I think focus. <laughs> <laughs> Again? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just um, like an, as an overall, as an overall uh, theme, you know, principle. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and I have ADHD, so it's like, you know, hard for me to be able to, <laughs> Say so like, oh yeah, just just focus on things, you know, it'll work. Uh, yeah, but that's that's your your um, clearly unbiased advice there. Yeah. 
So I guess it then becomes, as I've just mentioned, um, whenever I, I have a, a message that I need to get across, my team watches me um, throw up my hands with glee and say, oh my goodness, we should totally this infographic. Um, but mm-hmm. am, I, am I doing the wrong thing there? Can anything, in fact, be turned into an infographic or are there some limitations and things you just should not turn into infographics? Uh, hmm. I mean, I think you can turn anything into anything. <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> Anything's possible, Mary. Come on, open your mind. <laughs> anything is possible. Uh, I remember when I first started broadcast, Ricardo said he had an epiphany one day because he said, things are made of shapes. <laughs> like it, like draw, like illustrates drawings. Like they're just, they're, they're all made of shapes. Everything's made of shapes. Was, he was like, yeah, I guess so. And you learn how to draw, like you're, you're just putting together a bunch of shapes and then eventually it, you know, turns into something. Uh, <laughs> but I think that yes, anything can be turned into an infographic, but then I think like, what is the driving uh, behavior that you, why, why are you doing it? And you can even have the same content on two different infographics that, that push different behavior change. Mm-hmm. So, you know, depending on how you're designing it and depending on, you know, the layout and all that kind of stuff and the context that it's delivered in, you could, I mean, you could have two completely identical content pieces, you know, but then, you know, elevate certain uh, phone numbers or, you know, elevate certain pieces of the content that change how that thing is perceived. Um, and, and they have two, they have two different, um, what, what am I trying to say? Functions. And so, um, yes, you can, you can turn anything into anything that you want. The question that I would then ask you is why would you do that? You know, Mm. in any context. So you could say, we want to turn this, you know, information into a website. Okay, fine. Why though? Why are you Mm -hmm. doing that? Um, or you can turn any of this information into an animated video, you know, to deliver to all of our employees. Okay, that's fine. Let's entertain mm-hmm. it. Why do you want to do that? You know, and and we like to say why, you know, a lot. Like it's like it's an easy way to end the conversation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like okay, but why though? Yeah. Um, but I think another way to answer that is another way to ask that question without mm-hmm. seeming, seeming passive aggressive mm. uh, is to say. Okay, if we do this, let's say we make an infographic out of whatever. Mm. If we do this and we deliver it, then what's what's the what's the number? What's the metric that we're looking to change? Mm-hmm. So if we're trying to let's say uh, increase the number of people who've taken the code of conduct training, mm-hmm. then you know you say we're starting at ten percent now, and we mm-hmm. have an infographic delivered after that mm-hmm. that says that says we have 10%, right? So the metric that you want to change might be the number of people who complete it. Mm -hmm. And so if you're going to put something, uh, if you're going to make anything or do anything, I think the important thing is to say like, you know, instead of just, you know, ending the conversation by saying, okay, but why are we doing that? And, you know, that's a really open-ended, broad, huge question. Um, Then, but ask a really specific one, which is what are the metrics that we're measuring? to mm-hmm. know if that thing worked or not, mm-hmm. you know? So you're not challenging my team. The next time I say, oh my goodness, let's make this <laughs> into an infographic, they should say, why, Mary? Um, why is that the best way for us to communicate this information? Have you considered yeah. um, whether another format or forum might yeah, be Yeah, like what are you trying to do? Yeah. Okay. Th- thank you yeah. for just elongating my team meetings. <laughs> 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 but that, that was a classic broadcat approach um and I think one of the reasons why the company has been so successful is that we can't just keep doing stuff because oh it feels good it's my first instinct without then really querying well what's our impact did we add any value um did, yeah. did we understand what we were even trying to achieve and then once we've identified that have we skillfully and appropriately done so? And what was, was that the best way? What other alternatives might there be? And that, I mean, to your point, that is the hard part is figuring out why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's been, 
I mean, even at, even in Barcat, we've had, you know, you know, we don't really do it much anymore because we've got the hang of it at this point. But like, Mm. you know, when I first started five years ago, we, we like, we would have several team meetings about one checklist Mm -hmm. to try to figure out who exactly this is for, Mm -hmm. who, like, what are that, what is the, action after they finish the checklist are they turning Mm -hmm. it in are they keeping it for themselves like you know and we would answer uh all of these questions together as a you know full company to try Mm -hmm. to really understand like what this one thing did Mm -hmm. um to make sure that it was it was not only just like useful but it was like useful for a specific instance so you, yeah. you can make things useful all day, but are, what is it? What pro, what specific problem metric are we trying to address right here? Mm-hmm. And um, and then you know and you know now we've all we we have our different way of working, but mm-hmm. um, but like you know it takes it takes a lot of practice to be able to work through that um, that it takes a lot of practice to be able to work through the why. Or the like, what are, why are we doing this for the measurement? Mm. And it might take longer team meetings for like, you know, mm-hmm. or something just to be able to get like the framework down. Yeah, I think that's really important. And, and as you indicate, I mean, this is your day job. You guys are really specialists at this now. But in-house, yeah. you know, we're, we're not, um, for the most part, all, you know, focusing on your specific area. And so it would make sense for us to come together. And really, I, I, I like what you said there you weren't just looking at the checklist, you're looking at the the holistic process, right? So when you're done marking off that checklist, who's it going to go to? What's it going to be used for next? Are there any KPIs attached to it and so on? So being really thoughtful and getting multiple perspectives about how this could affect several stakeholders and remembering that everyone has different roles within the company, what kind of gaps might there be or what kind of challenges might there be for a finance person versus um, a salesperson is important. And and obviously you guys are quick off the bat at that now, but for those of us who are listening, I think it's a really good prompt to think a checklist is supposed to look easy and be easy, but actually getting to the point where you've made an effective one can take a lot of work and a lot of consideration by the compliance department. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that the other thing there is to say um, the, there's a lot of paralysis that's also associated with trying to like move forward with something like this. Mm-hmm. And so you might come into a team meeting and someone might say, Mary, why are we doing this? And then you're, you know, I don't know. And then like frozen in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, it, it never happens. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But then I think the, when you get, when you get, cause that's an easy spot to get to too. But I think like the takeaway there is to say, um, there is a problem. Like there is at least one thing we're trying to do. Right. Mm. And then, and then just say, okay, well, let's just have the, the checklist be one thing then, mm-hmm. you know, and start there. You got to start somewhere and mm-hmm. then maybe that's it. You know, I used to ask the question to um, designers and things when we first started was, you know, if you were designing like a website, uh, like a, like a, you know, an app or, you know, a phone uh-huh. app or something like that. Like if it just had one button, if you open uh-huh. the app and it uh-huh. had one button, what would the button do? do uh, love it. Yeah. 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 And so like for Instagram, you open the button, it would take a picture, uh-huh. you know, like that, that's it. If you, and maybe post it in one button, you know, uh-huh. it, on Facebook, it's probably post the status on Twitter, uh-huh. post a tweet, you know, uh-huh. like there's one primary function that, uh-huh that um that that thing can do and so yeah you can ask yourself that question so the checklist it's like what you know one checkbox does this Thanks need to say it's not going to be perfect the first time you know <laughs> it'll be <laughs> like did you finish it or you know check okay well that's that's super hard we did probably <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for that. And I'd love to switch gears now and get um your thoughts on another topic. So you mentioned earlier that you're a member of the transgender community and I'd love to hear more about the story of what it was like coming out publicly. And I guess I'll also ask the question, 
Had we not been in a pandemic last year, do you think you still would have done it with that self-reflection that brought you to where you were or and, and are now? Yeah. Would that trigger have ever happened? Yeah, so um that's a that's and no one's asked me that before. So I think that um it would have happened. Mm-hmm. Uh I th- I think it would have happened, you know, long uh you know, not 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 last year. It would have happened a long time from now, probably. Mm-hmm. But um, but I think that the important so I want to have a I want to like create a differentiation between mm-hmm. um the pandemic mm-hmm. and then also introspection mm-hmm. uh and time, you know. Mm-hmm. And so the the pandemic was um a hundred percent bad in my view. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. zero, nothing good about it, even though mm-hmm. I, you know, during it kind of coincidentally happened at the same time, but mm-hmm. you know, globally, there's nothing good about that. Mm-hmm. So um so to separate out the uh you know there was a lot of people who had time, including myself, to be more introspective because mm-hmm. like we were at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could have been more introspective apart from the pandemic, <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that, and I also did like a ton of painting, like, you know, artwork. And I did a lot mm-hmm. of uh, illustration and I got better at, you know, um, calligraphy, you know? And so, um, and so people will say, what, well, well, you know, what good came out of, yeah, good. And I was like, no, nothing came good out of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And if we tepar- separate that, it's like, we could have been, you know, we could have got, spend more time with your kids. Oh, mm-hmm. at least I spend more time with my kids. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, that could have happened apart from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. You know, I, we wish that that could have happened apart from the mm-hmm. pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that um, if I had the pandemic gave me the vehicle to be more introspective, um, I would have eventually got there. Um, and also I could have just like dedicated some time, but to be fair, like I was scared to death about mm-hmm. that thought. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to go down that road. You know, I didn't want to be, um, you know, put myself in, in a position where I had to come out to, you know, my family or my friends mm-hmm. or like at it. Cause I didn't know how any of that was going to go down. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, you know, it was a lot of procrastination <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, and I think that like people, you know, say they learn musical instruments or they learn whatever. And it's like, mm. yeah, well, it's just like a lot of procrastination. Now you just mm. had time to fill. Um, mm. And so, but like, you could have also not procrastinated during that time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or any time before. Um, <laughs> yes. And so, and so uh, basically what I'm trying to say is I don't want to give the pandemic credit for mm-hmm. me coming out. Mm-hmm. You know, I did that on my own and mm-hmm. it happened during the pandemic mm-hmm. that had a horrifying effect on the world. Mm-hmm. We're all still, you know, dealing really? with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Awesome. And what was, what was the reception? How, how was your news received? Yeah, my, my parents uh, were fully on board like that day. Uh, mm. And so my, uh, my whole family, sisters and, you know, parents and my, my mom sent me a happy birthday daughter card like two months later. So Hello. sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Some big surprise. Like I didn't know that was coming. Mm, okay. um, I, uh, you know, at work, great reception um Uh and ricardo and amy and design team all fully supported it and Uh um haven't you know there of course have been (laughs) no no, uh no issues or anything like Uh misgendering or whatever and you Uh know people slip up occasionally because it's you know it's a new thing uh Uh, every time i call my call my dad i think he slips up like five times (laughs) Uh, bless him (laughs) but but you know it's you know he you know, my dad knew me as uh, a male for 30 something years. So yeah. you know, it's a little hard to get used to. Now I, mm-hmm. I kept my name, my first name mm-hmm. and it's unisex Ryan. Um, mm-hmm. And so um, in fact, Batwoman now the character mm-hmm. on the CW, I think is mm-hmm. her character's name is Ryan. Oh, super. So mm-hmm. That's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. 
but um the but yeah i mean so i think that made it a little easier for people to sort of just kind of go with it mm. um but that isn't really common as far as i can tell most trans people do change their name or have a new name like mm, mm-hmm. you know, right when they come out and so um you know if that's the case for you know people out there who work with trans people you know adopt it as soon as you can mm-hmm. you know uh right away mm-hmm. and be okay with being wrong and being corrected like mm-hmm. a lot someone's gonna be like you know oh uh you know john up uh, uh you know jane you gotta mm-hmm. just be up you gotta roll with it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Well, you've brought me to my next question. I think it's a, a, a great segue into this, which is what is your advice for best supporting someone who is publicly sharing that they are trans? Um, and so I think the yeah. most obvious ones um, from a from a, a lay person, if you will, um, are <laughs> to, to use the name that people have requested, to use the yeah. pronouns that they've requested, yeah. and also be an ally in terms of helping others to understand if they're not aware of the news or they make a slip up, help prompt them Mm -hmm. um, so that uh, it it becomes normal for, uh, you know, everyone in the office to understand that this is the the new normal um, for your colleague. What else, Brian, what Mm -hmm. else should we be aware of and doing? Yeah. And I think like, um, so it's important to, think about the malicious people who are, who are always going to do something wrong, who are trying mm-hmm. to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those people, like, I'm not talking about those people. Like there's mm-hmm. going to always be people who are malicious mm-hmm. about things mm-hmm. and it's like find those people and, you know, have a meeting or fire them or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, but the, but for folks who like, you know, are just like accidentally slipping, you know, I think the important thing there is to make a reasonable effort, you know, like there's a, there's a term called dead naming. Um, and that is the term of, if you, if, uh, like if I change my name from Brian to Brittany. Mm-hmm. Name that. No, ha- hashtag free Brittany right now. Yes, yes. I know. Right. <laughs> um, so, so the idea would be to say, Okay, let's for for one, the name change, let's let's try to change all things um internally that don't depend on like the legal name change. Uh-huh. So I know like um like health insurance and uh like you know certain payroll, stuff like that. Like that's uh-huh. not going to be able to change right away, just uh-huh. yeah, it's gotta be a legal thing, uh-huh. uh and a tax thing. But I think like everywhere where you can you know, email addresses, uh-huh. like, um, you know, there, there's probably a checklist. Here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <don't think> <laughs> yes. Let's make, can we do an infographic please? Oh yeah. It's an infographic. <laughs> um, and so, um, but yeah, I think the important thing is to like make a reasonable effort from a, from a visible standpoint. And, you know, the other thing is, is I don't know if it's like a Southern thing or, or what, but re- sort of like narrating the conversation, uh, and saying like, like it me, you and me, Mary, are right now mm-hmm. in a in a room. So if you were addressing, if there were three people in the room, mm-hmm. uh, and then you were addressing those people, and you could say, yeah, Ryan uh, did this and she did that, mm-hmm. um, rather than saying like Ryan, yes, and then you did that, right? So oh, that's like speaking deliberately a, circumventing not using your preferred pronouns. No, I'm saying do use the preferred pronoun. That's what I'm saying. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some people actually do that. Well, I don't know if they are doing it, but I think like just as a new, as a person who has like just come out, yeah. it's amazing to hear your pronouns. Oh, so lovely. Like okay. The, mm-hmm. Like the nature of pronouns is going to be like, if I'm there, I'm, you're probably not going to use them because <laughs> they're all mm. third person. Like you're mm. not going to be talking to me and say like, uh, I like that thing that she did talking to me. Like, I'd, <laughs> yeah. I'll be like, yeah. are you all right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, the nature of pronouns is like an honor system. Like you're talking mm. to someone else mm-hmm. and you're ex- you're hoping and expecting they would be using the right ones for you. Right. But, mm-hmm. but if you're in a meeting with, you know, three or four or five more people and you refer to that person yes. instead of saying, yeah, Ryan did this. And yeah, didn't oh. you do that, Ryan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
you're talking to a different person and saying, yeah, yeah. she did this. And that like, oh my yeah. goodness, that it's such, it's a small thing. Yeah. But like the details of that create like an emotional undercurrent of everything that you're kind of working with. Beautiful. And it's like, okay, these people, okay, good. I like that. This reminds me, uh, you and I were talking um, on another occasion and you mentioned that your neighbors, there's a neighbor that when you're out walking with your wife, um, they say, hey, ladies. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought that was the <laughs> yeah. loveliest thing. Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have a few neighbors that, that, uh, that are older, that are older and they kind of, Oh, Hey ladies. And they yell out. And, it, and the first time it happened was the mailman. And I remember <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't have any makeup on. I was wearing like, you know, sweatpants as we were walking our dogs in the morning mm-hmm. and, you know, a big baggy t-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, and then, uh, and I wasn't really especially paying attention to well, any appearance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we walked up and he just was like, morning ladies. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. and I didn't have a mask on. Like it was so many, I don't, I think I did. I mean, I hadn't done anything to get ready. I just rolled mm-hmm. out of bed and we walked the dogs and mm-hmm. yeah, that was, that was great. Yeah. I liked that when you, when you told me it and even though I can't relate in your shoes, it, I, I don't know. It just had a really lovely effect on me. And I just thought, yes, that's how I wish everyone would react um, such a, a nice way to respect the, I, I kind of want to say the new you, except it's probably always been you, but the, the, yeah. the you that you've reintroduced to the world. Well, and that's an important point because people, there's a phrase um, called passing. And so, you know, you pass as cisgendered. Um, and so cisgendered, if you don't know, I guess, is is your identity matches with uh, what you're born with what you're assigned at birth with. So Mary, you would be cisgendered. Um, and so for me, it didn't match from transgender, just for the listeners who, not, who aren't sure about that terminology. Um, but Thank the, you. but the, um, the, the privilege that I have is that I am like thin, attractive and uh, white in a lot of cases, which, and so. <laughs> white in a lot of cases? Well, the privilege. Ah, okay. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah, well, the white privilege is always there. (laughs) 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 Only on Tuesdays and every other Thursday. (laughs) Sorry. I'm I'm following now. Yes. Yes. So essentially um, in many respects, you are someone that from a um, traditional physical appearance standpoint, we know statistically you should have it easy. Yes, exactly. And so people see me as, a, see, has seen, they have seen me as a woman long before I came out. Mm. Uh, partially, this is the reason that I came out. It kept happening and I liked that. Mm. Um, but then, um, but the important thing is, is that there's a lot of people out there who people see and do not assume that they're cisgendered. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only like five, seven you know, mm-hmm. which was like kind of like an average height man, but like, I'm like, like a tall beauty right now, you know, like, <laughs> Love it. I just clapped my hands if you couldn't hear it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of trans women out there that are like, you know, tall, mm-hmm. tall, tall, tall. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and that the, the the privilege that I have is that people see me and they immediately bring us to oh you know that's a woman you know despite a lot of things um you know what they what they've seen me as before is just like oh is you know if they saw me as a, a man before it's just like oh this is a woman now you know I don't know mm-hmm. who that is but it's not the same person but a lot of the times you know um you'll have uh trans women who are really tall or you know uh, and then who aren't gendered correctly, you know, because uh, it's, you know, unfortunately don't match the mainstream idea of what, you know, a woman looks like. Uh-huh. Um, and so the important thing there is to say, just believe trans people. If they tell you that they're a woman or non-binary or a man, then like, go with it. A little less to do with belief and more to do with simply respecting people's preferences and how they just want to be. So I don't need to believe. Yeah, sure, sure. I just want to treat you how you want to be seen in the world. 
Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. You didn't have to like, you know, uh, <laughs> become an advocate or anything like that, you know, or like. I am an advocate, go- by the way. Oh yes, I know. Yes. Uh, but you know, you don't have to like, even if you, yeah, even if you fully disagree with the whole entire thing, like you, you do need to like respect people, mm-hmm. you know? And so Absolutely. last, last, last July, I think last, uh, June, June 15th, I just checked the, you know, Supreme court passed the, you know, big deal for trans people. And so it's like, we're also someone you cannot discriminate against. <laughs> so like, oh, even if you a hundred percent disagree with it, like, you know, just do the pronouns, do the name. I can't and, believe that this was something people had to expressly state in law. Like it shocked me that when you were telling me about the Supreme Court thing and I was like, what do you mean? I feel like that's common sense. Yeah. It says the 1964 Civil Rights Act protects oh, gay, lesbian and trans employees. Yeah, as it, as it should be. Yeah, so. Well, Ryan, um, we, we've acknowledged that there are uh, the non-believers who tend to be the more malicious people or the ones that simply won't cooperate with preferences. Mm-hmm. For what I believe is the vast majority of people, um, I think well-meaning, um, but perhaps not so familiar with working with a transgender person or um, mm-hmm. being the mail carrier for um, a route with uh, transgender folks on it. Um, what are the things that you think that well-meaning people don't do very well that would make life more comfortable or easier for trans folks? Hmm. Let me think. I think the big thing is, or the big thing, one thing I can think about right Mm -hmm. now is, um, is the, and and this is not necessarily just for trans folks. I think this is like most marginalized people have this sort of uh, experience, but it's um, using, using the, the your local trans person as a as a source of knowledge for trans things and so like um i had a i had a uh a chief nursing officer message me on linkedin Uh and asked me to be a part of a panel uh and i was like okay this sounds interesting you know Uh who else is going to be on the panel and they said two other medical professionals (laughs) and i was like well, I'm not anything <laughs> oh, oh. like, like I'm a designer, you know, what do you, what do you want me to be on that thing for? And then we had a, we had a zoom call about it. And basically it was because I was, he wanted to me be, to, he wanted me to be the trans person on the panel. And uh-huh. I was like, uh, well, okay, well, what? <laughs> and it's like, I'm not am I going to be the only trans person on the panel? He's like, Oh, maybe I should get a couple others. And I'm like, yeah, man. (laughs) Like I've been out for a year. If you find someone that's been transitioning for 20 years or like, you know, a black trans woman or like, Mm -hmm. like they're going to have wildly different experiences than I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not about to be that, that, um, you know, encyclopedia for you and like the spokesperson. So, Uh, you know, um, I think that, I think the important thing is to say, like, um, do, you know, you know, like, just look online at some stuff, follow uh some, follow some trans people on Instagram or, you know, uh, Twitter or LinkedIn, uh, Uh join some, um, join some, uh, if you, if you're, if you have an employee resource group, you know, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. Um, for LGBT, particularly trans people, um, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, I think just kind of like giving the space for, for us to like, just do our thing. We, we don't want much to just like live our life and have healthcare. And so, um, mm. you know, helping to solve problems, um, and, you know, not asking any sort of like, 
I had, I had a woman on Facebook message me and say like, oh, my, I don't know any trans people. Could you educate me? And I was like, oh, she got educate me and be my friend. And I was like, well, I don't know what you mean by educate you, but I'll be your friend. And, <laughs> and then she like never asked me any questions. So I don't know if she just expected me to just like respond with a long message about, you know, trans things or, <laughs> or, or what, but, um, you know, and, and it's, it's really different. It's really odd for me to experience the stuff because like I went from people seeing me as a, as a white man, a mm. uh, heterosexual man to a trans woman. And mm. so um, I, I never really had anyone um, uh, asking me any sorts of those kinds of questions to be the token white man on a panel. Like I never had any of that. And then I became, <laughs> a, <laughs> I became, I went to like one of the marginalized you know, community and then it was like, um, and now all of a sudden, like, it, like uh, I, I said this the other day, the other day to some people that it felt like whiplash whenever all of a sudden everyone was like, Oh, so now you're Mark. I was like, I mean, yes, I am. But also I, this never happened before. So my experience like between a year ago and now changed a lot, but it's also like, there are people who've been doing this for a lot more time who you can pay for their, (laughs) their education and their input. So like, um, it's, it's kind of, um, just like be friends with people, you know, uh-huh. uh, it's, you know, it's like, uh, learn, learn about stuff, ask about stuff, but then also like know that there's still people. And, uh, I mean, my own family has asked me some, some pretty strange things that I've been having like, Hey, uh, I'm not answering that. Come on now. <laughs> uh, like, like I'm, you know, I'm in my mid thirties. Y'all got to give me a break. You know, I'm not like a, you know, eight year old or something. Um, So I think I think it's just like see trans people as people and look up some stuff and pay attention to what's going on. Awesome. Thank you for for that, Ryan. I I love the idea that you mentioned the employee resource group. Um, And so I wanted to remind um, you all, dear listeners, that uh, a lot of the time, if not all of the time, your employee resource groups are not just for people who belong to that community, uh, they're for allies as well. And uh, I recently joined the, um, and for seniors medical care in North America, there's an Asian American Pacific Island um, employee resource group that's just started up. And I was so heartened uh, to see all of the uh, non-Asian colleagues that have signed up and just to feel that support from colleagues. And um, I am pretty sure, uh, despite not being a member um, of the, um, uh, I'm going to get the acronyms wrong, um, LGBTQ+. plus. I think there's an A in there these days. Um, <laughs> we, we call it the alphabet mafia. Oh, I, that is way easier to remember, and it, it's <laughs> inclusive because it means you can add more later on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with Alphabet Mafia. Um, <laughs> I'm going to just hedge a bet that uh, many of our colleagues in in the, the space would be delighted to see more allies join uh, the, the employee resource group, uh, not only to feel that support, but to know that you're trying to get some understanding as to how you can uh, be a better ally and be a, a better support in the workplace. And of course, take that beyond our offices and out into the world generally. Yeah. And I think the important thing there is to say, if you're an ally and you're going to that places or, you know, not a member of that community and going into those is uh, your job there is to listen and to take notes and not to like run over, run the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> So such a great point. (laughs) There was something recently that I saw on Facebook and it was about um, uh, to do with, you know, historically um, a lot of the Asian community have felt that we can get mixed up for others in the office um, uh, because I guess of the the lack of um, diversity uh, that's perceived uh, or just the lack of contact with those colleagues. And so it's harder to recognize them and I saw a Caucasian gentleman say oh this is fooey like this isn't really a problem and then um, an Asian lady comment underneath that it happened to her on at least three occasions uh, in her last workplace 
but uh, what does that matter? He, of course, would know better. So um, right. I, I love that comment that you make. I think it's very relevant that uh, uh, listening is one of the greatest pieces of support that we can provide each other, um, hearing other people's stories, their perspectives, and as Ryan uh, pointed out earlier, believing those perspectives as well. Um, and if at the very least you can't believe people uh, respect what it is that they have asked you to um, to honour about their personal presence and personal preferences. So, Ryan, I have um, uh, one question that I've never asked anyone before, so you're the first one for this on the show. All right. Yeah. Finish the sentence for me. At the end of the day, I'm just... I'm just vibing. Love it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and I'll just add, and super cute. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, as someone who didn't start out in the substantive side of compliance, but is now CCEP certified, well done. What's mm -hmm. something you. that you find striking about the compliance community? Uh, well, the first thing was the incredible lack of tattoos. <laughs> I have zero. And Ryan has many. <laughs> I have many. I have a full sleeve. I have neck tattoos on yeah, both sides of my neck. Looking good. I have, yeah, I'm working on my other sleeve. I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm working on getting, I mean, I wouldn't say an intention is to be covered, but it's getting there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I think the, but I think also um, it was a lot of, it, the, the lack of diversity, honestly, was really surprising. Mm. Um and respect uh it well you know, the first few uh you know conferences we went to uh mm -hmm. seemed to be like uh largely white cisgendered men um mm -hmm. and i mean that's just <laughs> that's maybe a lot of communities or a lot of industries but mm -hmm. um but it it just it seemed uh it was that was surprising i think mm -hmm. uh i mean i came from you know design and art world and you know um and it's, I mean, the tech industry is also not very diverse, but, um, you know, I mean, that's probably a problem just <laughs> across the board, honestly, but, you know, seeing it, seeing it all in kind of one room was a little like, Oh shoot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then I think, um, Oh, you know, what else was is the, is the uh how do I say this the uh, the <laughs> trying try uh so like I'm trying to say it in a, like a like a completely inoffensive way um mm. I'm from New Zealand we're pretty direct with our communication so I'm thinking probably whatever <laughs> you want to say is going to be fine <laughs> 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 uh let's see so, like whenever you have to i guess like accountability is kind of saying like you know if the compliance team wants to put out a certain messaging or anything you know and it will cost x number of dollars for x number of employees um there i think like the thing that i had to learn that i you know assumed is is kind of like well okay if you do something and you and you have a bunch of if someone's giving you a bunch of money to do, uh, you know, any kind of um, task, you mm -hmm. know, for a number of employees, then like the idea is that you could then show, you know, the results of that, mm -hmm. you know, output. And I think like, so for, you know, I've worked at design agencies and things like that before and, you know, we and marketing agencies. And so we've measured like metrics to say like, okay, mm -hmm. we're going to do this ad campaign. And the idea is to say we get, you know, you know, 15% more click through rate on your whatever landing page. And mm -hmm. so, you know, and then that's the reason that we're doing it. And then we're watching that metric really closely. Um, and I think the really surprising thing was to say that like in many compliance, um, you know, programs, they, they're given, you know, hundred thousand dollars to do something. And it's, mm -hmm. and then it's like, you don't a lot of the time have to like, say that it worked <laughs> <laughs> do you mean prove like, that it worked yeah like prove yeah. any part of it 
And so I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then the thing is, is like, well, it becomes, you know, hard to prove a negative, you know, that people didn't Mm. do something, but there is something you can prove. Mm. And so, you know, what is, what is that? And was that money worth it? You know, Mm. and it's, and and actually I can tie it into like correcting pronouns and stuff too. I can say like, Mm. you know, if, if, um, if I, if I give you a hundred thousand dollars to then do something and then you come back and you're like, yeah, okay. Uh, that metric we were measuring, like that didn't work. Okay. No big deal. So I'll give you like 50 instead of like the 400, I'll give you like 50 now to then try something new. But you know, it's, it was a mistake. I'm a, you know, using that term lightly, like it was like mm-hmm. not the direction we needed to go. And so we changed directions. It's like not a big deal. Like, but now we know we don't keep going hundred K in that direction forever with no way to prove whether it worked or not. And the same thing with like pronouns, it's like, okay, you made a mistake. I corrected it. Let's move on to the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's like not a big deal. Like don't, mm-hmm. there's no need to like apologize through you know, six different emails and all this kind of, it's just like a mistake. It's fine. You know, you're making mm-hmm. a bigger deal out of it than it has to be. So mm-hmm. I think like the, um, the thing I would say there is to say, be okay with just like, you know, changing direction. If it didn't mm-hmm. work, start, you know, do something smaller. Mm-hmm. If you, if, so then you're less likely to make like a giant, huge, you know, budget mistake, mm-hmm. but then like, you know, just, pull it back, like try that. And it's like, all right, we were measuring this one, you know, change. Mm-hmm. Did it go up or did it go down? Mm-hmm. It went up. Okay. That's the direction we want. Okay. Now let's get a little more. So, you know, that mm-hmm. it works versus like, you know, a million dollars in that direction. Do we know it work? I don't know. Here's a million more. <laughs> Keep right. going. You know? Right. Yeah. I think that is um, a very astute and reasonable observation. We are not really a regulated uh, industry for the most part in terms of the fact that just about anyone can be a compliance officer. You don't have to sit exams uh, in order to do it. There, um, you know, we've got some ISO standards and guidance and things like that. But at the end of the day, for the most part, I think a lot of companies are able to say our compliance program is successful unless we are under the uh, investigation of the US government in (laughs) particular. Um, And if we're not, um, that's a big pat on the back, well done, team compliance. If we are, yikes, let's write the uh, direction of that ship once we've done that. Uh, And sometimes that's just paying a fine and continuing on with things, right? And and Um, you know what? That's a very binary way to think about things, (laughs) which I'm not a huge fan of, Mary. Funnily enough. I would, I would imagine. Um, yeah, right. So I think you've, you've the raised... The spectrum of compliance programming. <laughs> you've raised... I mean, and you know, you, you know, you didn't start out as a compliance professional, but you've just put in flashing lights something that is inherent. I'm not going to say broken with us, but something that really is part of the compliance 2.0, if not the 3.0. So um, I'm, I know that there are a lot of companies that give thought to their KPIs and measuring the effectiveness of their program, uh, but there are a lot, on the other hand, who are really taking the tactic of, if we haven't had to self-report, if we haven't been under investigation, mm-hmm. uh, 100% bonuses all around. Good job, everyone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome, awesome picking, picking up on that. And um, just a reminder for everyone, um, uh, have you asked yourself why recently? I think we could just hire you um, to come around and ask why every time someone proposes something, Brian, and that would uh, <laughs> that would be a consultancy in and of itself. I know, right? <laughs> well, um, that brings me to the end of the prepared questions. And as per usual, we've had a fantastic chat, um, pretty comprehensive. I did want to just put the ball in your court before we wrap up to ask, is there anything else that you wanted to, to share or say before we close? Oh, uh, let's see. I'm selling some of my sign paintings. <laughs> uh, what did I say about <laughs> paid infomercials? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. Well, <laughs> but I will mention just um, off to the side, Ryan um, does also have a business where he uh, will create all manner of artistic solutions for you 
Um, and so don't pass him by if you're in the market. Yeah. Sorry, Ha. Oh. Ah. <laughs> ha, Mary. I'm not going to dwell on it, though, because just one of those things. We just yeah. carry on. Yeah, well, you caught yourself. I didn't I didn't even hear it, to be honest. Well, thanks for that. I appreciate it. I try. Um, and uh, uh, if that's... If that's what you'd like to end on. Uh, uh, what else? Anything I don't else? think I have anything else. Um, yeah, no, I don't know. You're all good. All right. Well, uh, to, to wrap up the show, uh, I will encourage everyone to be a kindness evangelist in the spirit of what we've discussed today, but also more generally in terms of just being a good, sound human being. And on that note, if you haven't checked it out yet, Nicole Diaz's team at Snap have just released a new code of conduct and it is very heavy into kindness evangelism. I um, threw up my hands and shrieked when I saw it because I thought that was such a fabulous direction for the ethics and compliance function to go in. When we act with kindness, when we consider how we treat each other um, that can only really make our business dealings better, more transparent, more honest, and looking out for each other. I think we've all learned uh, during the time of the pandemic is, is what really matters. So thank you so much for being on the show, Ryan. I'm pleased to have you uh, appearing for us today and um, always appreciate working with you and chatting with you. And uh, you're awesome and super cute and uh <laughs> Just keep keep doing what you're doing. I think you're awesome. Thank you, Mary. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.